Hey everyone, Ken Moody here from Dynasty League Football. Just letting you know that this podcast is sponsored by League Tycoon. If you play in a contract Dynasty League, or have ever thought about joining a contract league, but you are worried that it would be too much work, then you will want to check out League Tycoon. League Tycoon has perfected a platform for fantasy football salary cap and contract leagues. Leagues are super easy to set up, and they offer a ton of configuration and management options. League Tycoon's mobile app makes managing your team easy. In fact, their mobile app may be the best fantasy league mobile app in the industry. It's feature-rich, easy to navigate, and doesn't have a lot of distracting features to take away from the pure fantasy football experience. So go to LeagueTycoon.com to get more information and download the app. And if you use the promo code DLF when creating a league, your first year is absolutely free. League Tycoon makes Dynasty Contract Leagues easy and fun, and it will change the way you play fantasy football. That's LeagueTycoon.com. Go check them out. Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, and Matt Price. Yeah, we are the DLF Dynasty Podcast, Dan, Matt, and Ryan, and we are coming at you with episode 566 of the show. We are just just eyeballs deep in rookies at this point. All we want to talk about <laughs> is rookies. And the right. first thing I got to know from you, Ryan, is have you done any rookie drafts yet? Um, I have. I did one rookie draft. Uh, it was actually... Uh in our buddy Curtis Patrick's league. And it was a, a live rookie draft. We all got together on zoom, made our picks, made a ton of trades. Oh, uh, so that fun. was, that was a fun, yeah. Fun setup, fun format for a rookie draft. Uh, but that's actually the only rookie draft I've done. I've, I've done a couple of rookie auctions in the kitchen sink leagues that, yep. uh, that we play in. Uh, but yeah, it, it feels like a little bit of a slow start. Um, I know years ago I would have that, that first Monday after the draft, it, it would seem like nearly a dozen drafts, uh, rookie drafts kicking off. And I don't know. I, I guess I've slowed down in my old age here. I yeah, know Matt's the, been in a ton. Before the show, I mentioned to you, I, I, I'm not in any standard dynasty, as many da- standard dynasty leagues where you have a rookie draft right after the NFL draft. I, I play in a lot of, a lot of uh, salary cap leagues and some unique ones uh, that are, that kind of change things up. A couple of my leagues, our late rookie drafts too, in an effort to spread out the fun throughout the entire summer. Matt, how about you? You doing, uh, you drafting every day? <laughs> um, well, I've got one, only one officially starting. I've got a couple starting on Monday. Uh, I only have three draft, three leagues that are just standard draft. The rest of them are all auction like you guys. So it's a little bit of fun, uh, you know, going back and be able to trade rookie picks. I do prefer the the auction format in general, but there's something about being able to move up and down in a draft, which I've done in a bunch of bunch of leagues. I've I've sent away the 101 uh, and come back up to get the 106 where I already have the 105. I traded away the 101 uh, or traded for the 102 in another league where I already have the 101. So it is. I, I will say, as as someone who prefers auction drafts, it is a lot of fun to be able to move around. Uh, in, in a draft like that, rather than just like trading for auction dollars and you have no idea who you're going to get. Right. So uh, there is a little bit of a benefit for, for the draft format from that perspective. Yeah. Those, those rookie auctions are so much fun. We're, we're, we're involved in those, but those standard uh, rookie drafts are a lot of fun as well. All of, all of the players that are out there, the listeners right now that are in safe leagues, those, those drafts kick off this week 
as well. So a lot of people going to be making a lot of picks, and we're going to try to cover as many rookies as we can on this episode. We're Speaking of the show, we are talking uh, about surprising NFL draft capital, capital and the rookie report. So we'll hit on some rookies that we didn't cover pre-draft that were maybe drafted a little bit higher or landed in some good spots. Uh, we're also going to try to keep Dynasty weird towards the end of the show. You're both liars because you said you're you're not doing a lot of rookie drafts. We did one face-to-face together <laughs> uh, in Denver uh, in a brand new league that we're going to talk about in keeping Dynasty weird. The startup. Yeah, first we got to start with the startup, and we can't talk about anything but these rookie drafts that are happening all over right now. It seems like um, uh, every time I look at my phone, I have a question from somebody about dynasty rookie pick number three, or or where's the right spot to pick the quarterback in single quarterback, or or whatever it may be. Everybody's entrenched in these rookie drafts right now, and most of them are happening, honestly, guys, on MyFantasyLeague.com. So, Ryan, you collected Superflex Rookie ADP from actual drafts on MFL um, to try to try to come up with a some tiers. We can talk about tiers inside this. We can talk about some surprises inside of drafts. And maybe we can find the sweet spot of where some of our listeners could be trading up or down, up to or down from uh, to get the most bang for their buck in rookie drafts right now. Yeah, I don't I don't want to take too much credit here. I didn't actually collect the data. This is this is collected for us and for all of our uh supporters. Come on, buddy. I, know, I teed I you up to take to take the credit. <laughs> Listen, what I, the I heck? gotta be honest here. That uh but it, it is it is oh, available boy. on uh DLF and it's not just that super flex rookie draft, but uh, I love it because uh, first of all, you're looking at real rookie drafts that are taking place. Uh, I, you all know that we love our mock drafts, but uh, real drafts are, uh, you know, I would say they're, they're more important and more reliable, although we see very, yeah. very small differences, if any. Uh, but the, again, these are real drafts. You can customize uh, to fit your league, whether it's super flex or one quarterback IDP or not uh, different types of scoring, different league sizes, all of those are options to customize and find what leagues like yours are really doing. So in these super flex drafts, uh, I mean, it's no surprise. We see Bijan Robinson as the top pick, uh, according to that ADP. Uh, I think he's in a tier of his own. And maybe the only surprise here is that the ADP data suggests that that Robinson wasn't the 101 pick in every draft, that someone else, most likely one of these quarterbacks, uh, snuck up and, and claimed that top spot in at least uh, a portion of those super flex rookie drafts. So, and maybe Ryan, you can fill us in. I, I don't know how many drafts are covered inside this data that you have here, but you do mention his ADP is 1.2. Um, that would suggest that he's not number one in multiple yes. drafts, uh, even in the super flex format. So um, I don't think we have to waste a whole lot of time on Bijan Robinson. Maybe we'll fill that time with Matt's trade. You said you you traded down from the 101, Matt. Why don't you tell us what you got there? Because I've seen I've seen a handful of those trades, and I haven't seen one yet where I felt like the guy whole, trading away the number one spot got enough. Yeah, I think I I think I maybe gave up a slight amount of value on this, but for a team that. You know, I think if I had stayed at one on one with Bijan, I probably would have been a f- like a fringe playoff team. Um, 
So I feel like better getting the receiver at this point and maybe building a little bit more. So I sent the 101 away for Chris Olave, a 24 second and a 25 first. I do wish that 25 first was a 24 first. I don't generally like you know, waiting two years for those things to pay off, or even really a whole a whole year for to you really get max value out of that first once we get past the 2024 uh, rookie drafts, right? Um, but like I said, for this team, I felt like it was the right move. But then I turned around in the same league and sent the 110, the 201, and a couple of 2024 seconds to move back up to the 105, where I already have the 106. So I'll probably be taking B, uh, excuse me, Gibbs and JSN at that range. Uh, and I, after all of those moves, I still have. Uh, three 2024 first, two 2025 first, uh, four more seconds in this class, f- uh, four seconds in the 2024 class. So I just felt like I was in the position where I could use that ammo that I had built up over the last couple of seasons to, to move around the draft. And I'm not getting Bijan, but I do get Chris Olave, Jameer Gibbs, and uh, JSN out of the deal. So I feel pretty good about those moves. Yeah, that's pretty nice. Yeah, that doesn't sound too bad. Uh, I was, I was, Yeah, I was just going to ask Matt if – he had earned that pick or traded for it because for the teams that have earned that pick that were last place in the league uh, in, in their respective leagues, I think we've probably talked about it before on here, but Bijan is, is going to make those teams better, but he's not going to make those teams a title contender. So uh, to me, that either means you need to move down out of that spot like Matt did, or you need to make a series of moves along with adding Bijan Robinson to get your team ready to compete right now, because otherwise there's a chance he wastes away on your roster for a couple of years and, and just puts you in that, uh, that, that middle of the pack zone, which is not where we want to be. Yeah. And I don't want to put the, you know, the hex on anybody, but we know the deal with the running back position. So I just felt like if I'm not going to compete, like seriously be a strong competitor this year, that kind of fringe competing team that, you know, if something did unfortunately happen to Bijan, I would be eating, you know, a, a ton of value. He's still going to hold value. Don't get me wrong, but I think probably much less than you would get for just moving the pick uh, at this point. So uh, I, I did earn that pick. Uh, I've, I, this was a productive struggle team that started, uh, I think, two two years ago, maybe. I've got Trey Lance and Fields at quarterback. Uh, I got Pitts. I got a bunch of receivers from last year's class, but. Uh, not a ton at running back uh, and not a ton else, maybe like six, six good starters out of 10 right now. So picking up three more in this class for just the 101 felt, uh, well, the 101 and the 110, I guess, and some future seconds um, felt like a, a good move to continue building and be really strong for next season. Yeah, sounds like uh, a, a very productive struggle there that you're going through uh, on your way up, especially with all that draft capital next year and the year beyond. So, uh, Bijan, at one overall in this Superflex rookie ADP collected from my fantasy league, Real Drafts over on MFL, he has an ADP of 1.2. After that, seems like a tear break, Ryan. That's when we get into these quarterbacks. Uh, Anthony Richardson with an ADP at 2.75. Bryce Young, his ADP is 3.74. And then CJ Stroud at 4.92. They're followed up by uh, two of the other position players that probably fit into this same tier. Jameer Gibbs, 5.12. And then Jackson Smith and Jigba with an ADP of 6.49. So all these guys kind of clustered together between 2.75 and 6.49. It seems like Mostly, you're probably going to see these these quarterbacks, these first-round quarterbacks, go two, three, and four in some order. But these uh, these other two position players, Gibbs and Smith and Jigba, they're mixing in. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do think, and, and the, the data supports this, that 
we'll typically see the three quarterbacks and probably Richardson is the first one off the board. Um, but there's still, you know, there's still doubts about Bryce young. There's still doubts and concerns about CJ Stroud. So um, it, it kind of comes down to need if you're in that four or five spot and uh, you prefer Gibbs or JSN over a quarterback, then, you know, I think that's reasonable. And I think we could see a guy like Stroud fall as far as six. And actually that's exactly what happened in, in the one rookie draft that I have been in Stroud fell to the sixth spot because of yeah. mm-hmm. uh, preference for Gibbs and JSN uh, along with uh, just, just team makeup and team needs. Matt, what do you think about this tier of rookies? Do you, do you agree with the order going Richardson, Young, Stroud, Gibbs, and Smith and Jigba? Or would you change it up? I do. I could definitely see taking Gibbs or, or Najigba instead Njigba instead of the other two quarterbacks. But for me, it's Robinson and Richardson in any order that you want at one and two. If you want to take Richardson first, I don't I don't really mind it. And if you want to take those other skill position players ahead of Young and Stroud, just because, you know, I, I mean, obviously we're speculating here, but it just feels like those guys are going to be more like late QB ones, uh, you know, th- rather than really have that top five kind of upside. Um, that Richardson does provide with, with certainly more risk, obviously, but, um, yeah, I could see taking those. I just feel like those two skill positions are so far away, uh, and ahead of the, the rest of the skill positions that we're going to be looking at in the first round that I, I don't mind it at all. So, so with those one Oh five, one Oh six, maybe a quarterback slips. I don't know. Ryan, you mentioned that this ADP is collected on DLF dynasty league, just Go over to ADP, click on rookie or MFL rookie, and it'll it'll uh, it'll let you sort things out. I was actually looking at single quarterback ADP collected from MFL, and Anthony Richardson's all the way up at six. He goes as high as four in single quarterback, uh, falls as low as fifteen, but that's that's across fifty plus leagues. It's interesting to me that Richardson's up there at six in single quarterback. You don't see those other guys until down at 11 and 13 with Young and, and Stroud, respectively. So it seems like we're tearing them together, maybe in the Superflex uh, game that we play. But it, there's a definite difference when you go look at single quarterback leagues. Yeah, and it, I mean, it goes to what Matt just said there on, on a couple of points. One, that uh, he personally includes Richardson and Robinson as that top tier rather than right. uh putting putting Richardson with the other quarterbacks that's certainly reasonable based on our single quarterback ADP and, and then just the gap from guys like Jameer Gibbs and JSN to everyone else I mean that's why that that concern that doubt that honestly lack of uh, lack of big time upside from some of these other names we'll get to that's why we see Richardson as a mid first rounder and single quarterback um you know, I I would just rather gamble on landing a top three, top five quarterback than, you know, just just another wide receiver three or RB2 on my team. Fair for sure. After six overall in that second tier, and you could probably make an argument that Richardson belongs in tier two all by himself with that ADP of 2.75. There's a little bit of separation between he and Young. Uh, in fact, almost an entire pick, Young at 3.74. But after this group, including Gibbs and Smith and Jigba, we get into a couple more, a few more receivers that fall into the next tier. Jordan Addison's ADP mat is 8.7, or excuse me, 8.37, followed by Quinton Johnston at 9.18. These guys 
uh, along with Zay Flowers at 11.19. They sandwiched Dalton Kincaid as the only tight end in the top 12 uh, at, at 10.59. So these guys are clumped in there together between 8 and about 12 in ADP. How do you feel about this order? Do these guys are these guys lined up properly? I think I would put Flowers ahead of Kincaid just because I I think I would rather have the wide receiver. I think Kincaid is going to be fine, but I don't know at this at this juncture. I feel I just I, I don't know how bad the back is going to be. Um, I, I don't I don't know. I just feel like I would rather have Flowers ahead of the tight end at this point. Those three wide receivers, three next group of wide receivers, maybe in a tight end premium, a 1.75, 2.0, or a two tight end league, you, you push Kincaid and maybe even some of the other tight ends up a little bit. But in a regular Superflex ADP, excuse me, Superflex or one quarterback league, I think I would prefer the wide receiver. But I would agree that Kincaid is is in this tier with those guys. The separation between these four uh, is much smaller, I would say, than the next set, next set of players. Ryan, you mentioned that there's a difference between that tier two, which ended with Gibbs and Smith and Jigba, and to everybody else. Addison's the closest with an ADP of 8.37. There are a lot of people that are pretty excited about his upside playing across from uh, Justin Jefferson in Minnesota. I'm certainly one of them, but there, there's a definitely a tier break here. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, maybe, maybe it could even be argued that Addison is almost in a tier of his own there in the, in the middle of the round. Uh, Because while I, I wouldn't consider Addison above any of those guys we talked about in the top six, including JSN. uh, I I think he's locked in as the seventh pick. The only, honestly, the only other player I would consider there uh, is a guy we haven't mentioned, Will Levis. And that's, you know, again, that would be a quarterback needy situation. Uh, But just, uh, ranking these, uh, you know, in a, in a vacuum, just based on talent. I want Addison there at seven and honestly not really considering anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree. It feels like he's in a tier by himself because you wouldn't consider anybody below him. Maybe with the exception of Levis in just the right situation, maybe it would depend a little bit on, on quarterback scoring or something like that as well. After Zay Flower is at 10, the top 12 is rounded out with Levis at 12.35, and Devin A. Chain at 13.71. So a third-round running back, not necessarily the draft capital, although it was just fine late in the in the third round for A. Chain, but that landing spot, Matt, is what pushes Devin A. Chain up into the top 12. And, and there are a lot of dynasty managers, myself included, that are very excited about his upside. I would probably move him up a couple spots in ADP if I were if I were making picks in every draft towards the end of the first round. Yeah, I definitely get that, I, but I, I can understand other people's concern about the size. I like the fit, but I, I think I do have him elevated above this next set. But I, I feel like Kendra Miller is going to be a strong mover. He could be jump up into this tier. Uh, for me as we go along, just because of that opportunity in New Orleans with, you know, presuming Al- Alvin Kamara is going to get suspended and that he can force a timeshare or maybe even be, even be more productive half of the timeshare uh, with Jamal Williams there. So he's the only one really from the next group I could see pushing up uh, with A-Chain and Levis, if, if that's your thing. Um, but I would agree that the rest of these guys are are definitely in a, in a, in a tier below A-Chain. Ryan, anything to add on on your guy Levis or even A-Chain? Yeah, it's it's just tough on A-Chain to see him ranked much higher. Dan, I know you said you he might be higher if you were making all the picks. Um, 
I mean, this this 12 spot already represents a value gain uh, from pre-NFL mm-hmm. draft, uh, pre- actually a pretty significant value gain where he was uh, looking like possibly a late second rounder as, as questions mounted uh, before the NFL draft. But looking at the names ahead of him, I mean, he, obviously he could flip flop with Levis. They're in the same tier, but I, I, I can't, I can't push a chain into that next year with uh, the receivers and, and uh, Kincaid. So this kind of feels like his, his ceiling as far as ADP goes for me. Well, Matt mentioned Kendra Miller is a guy who could jump up into this tier. I think maybe Dalton Kincaid could fall down into this tier. And I, you know, personally, I prefer a chain and the upside of the big play with him over Kincaid who there's a lot of mouths to feed there in Buffalo, including another tight end. Who's pretty darn good. So uh, that, that's where, that's where that comment came from. I, I'd take a chain over Levis in most situations as well, but, but they're real close in ADP. So the first round, it, it pretty much makes up the guys that we've talked a lot about since draft day. And even before draft day, to be honest with you, we got landing spots that we were pretty excited about. Ryan, you mentioned a chain as a big riser. He jumped up. Uh, if there was a faller, it was Zach Charbonnet. Really? We were, we were considering him potentially uh, in tier two, if he got the draft capital in the landing spot, but Landing in Seattle really hurt him, according to this ADP. He falls to 15.04 and 13 overall. I'm wondering, do you see him moving around much, Ryan? Yeah, it, it seems like the community is quickly grow, uh, growing uh, or coming back around on Zach Charbonnet as, as we look at this situation. And, um, you know, right now it's, it's pretty much all conversation. We don't have much to base it on. Uh but this this feels like more and more of an okay landing spot for Charbonnet and a big time negative for Kenneth Walker. Um, so I do think uh, the you know the more time goes on, you mentioned some late rookie drafts that you have in some of your leagues. I, I think even by the time we get to uh, you know to the summer, to late June, to early July, we're going to see Charbonnet back up in that first round uh, where he probably belongs. Yeah, I could certainly see that. Charbonnet comes in at 13 in this ADP, followed by Michael Mayer and Kendra Miller. Uh, Jonathan Mingo's 16, Sam Laporta at 17, and Roshan Johnson at 18 overall. These guys all fall between 15 and about 21 in ADP, um, followed by Rashi Rice, Tyje Spears, Hendon Hooker, Josh Downs, Marvin Mims at 23, and then Maybe the surprise of this list, it's Jaden Reed at uh, 24.8. He's he's 24th in ADP, Matt. This this group of 12 players, we've talked about it a lot, and maybe that even bleeds into the end of the first round. It seems like you should pick the guy you like the most that think might think has the most upside. You could see these guys going in any order, really, maybe with the exception of Charbonnet at the top. He seems almost locked into that 13 spot right now, and with, with the potential to go higher. What, what is your thoughts on the second round of this rookie ADP? Yeah, this is a, the definitely get your, get your guy range. Like you mentioned, like for me, like there's no way I'm taking Mingo that high. I understand it from the draft capital standpoint, but I mean, if, unless he's just going to get all of the targets there and Bryce Young is super efficient in year one, 
Um, it's just tough to see from a player standpoint from based on how I feel about him, you know, difficulty separating difficulty, sometimes difficulty catching the ball. If they, if they turn him into a big slot and they really just pepper him with targets, you can see it working out, I think. But honestly, uh, at this point in the process, I would prefer um, pretty much everyone that's gone after him, uh, especially guys like Rashi Rice. If you want to look at similar receivers in that range, I would rather have Rashi. I think I'd probably rather have the tight end Laporta and Roshan Johnson. Spears, I'm a little bit iffy on with the knee, um, but those last three receivers, they're so exciting. I've, we've talked about the issues that I have with Downs, but Mims and Reed, I just I just feel better about those guys than Mingo as a player. So Mingo is the one that sticks out for me here. Yeah, the the second round is full of value to me. I I really like a handful of these players. You Charbonnet at thirteen feels like a steal. You mentioned Miller early as a guy who could be a mover throughout the summer. I agree with that completely. To get him at the two hundred three or that range really feels good. I like Roshan Johnson in the middle of the second round. That those are really the three running backs that stand out. And if you need a receiver. And you got to wait till late in the second. You mentioned the names, Marvin Mims and Jaden Reed. They feel like guys that you're not paying anything for, but you could get not only production, but maybe even potentially, depending on what happens in Denver with the other receivers, early proje- production. Ryan, this this whole tier, this whole group, there feels like it, it's pick your pick your flavor, whatever, whatever you need. If you need a tight end, there's a couple guys in here. If you need a quarterback, Hendon Hooker has long-term upside. If you want a receiver or a running back, they're they're sprinkled in here. You can you can fill out the maybe even the flex rate region or first or second um, bench guy region of your roster right here in the second round. Yeah, Matt said it earlier. It, it this is definitely get your guy territory. And um, Matt mm-hmm. also talked about at the top of the show he enjoys uh, moving around in a rookie draft, trading up and down. You're probably not going to be able to do that in the second round, yeah. at least not if you <laughs> yeah, have it's a, a first round move. Yeah. Not if you have a specific target, if if you're sitting there with the, you know, the 2.03 and you really like Josh Downs or, or uh, Marvin Mims and, and they've got that late second ADP, I would not be risking it trying to move to the late second and hoping those guys fall to you. you know, in, in a lot of leagues, they, they might, they will. Uh, but again, if you have a specific target, you can't move down and expect that guy to fall in your lap. I'm wondering, guys, looking at this ADP, the, the biggest tear break to me is up there at seven and eight between Addison and Johnston. If you're trying to get Addison, you're going to have to pay quite a bit to move up to seven. If you want one of those other guys in that tier, you could probably make a move to eight without giving up nearly as much. It's Is there a different spot for you, Matt, that you really feel is the toughest spot to get to? The toughest top spot to get to, I mean, to me, clearly outside of Dijon, don't take. Yeah, that. yeah, no, 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 no. But the top, the don't top six, like that's where, like, if you, I, I think, if you want to get into the top six, not including the one hundred and one, of course, um, but you really need to give up, like any, any, almost anywhere else in the round. But especially if you're in that ten to twelve range, it, it feels like if you're in that ten to twelve range, you're probably going to have to give up a first on top of, of next year's first on top oh, of yeah. that to get up into that Gibbs uh, and Jigba tier. Um, so that feels like the, like that sixth spot, like, the, which is like, you know, you know, you, you obviously you're not going to get Bijan, but you're probably happy with any of those other five guys in that range. Right. So trading up to that spot to me is going to be uh, very difficult to get, uh, to grab the last guy in that tier. Um, but I like what you said about seven too, because I think most do have Addison clearly, uh, the next guy, uh, after those two. I think I would go the other way and, and think about a move down. 
and Matt, this goes back to what you were saying earlier as well. If you've got the one Oh one, why not try to move down to two, take, uh, take Anthony Richardson and really anything you can get on top, especially if you, uh, again, if you did earn that pick, if you had a, a bad team last season, uh, a long-term quarterback is, is a lot better spot to be rather, you know, compared to, um, uh, hopefully a long-term running back, but obviously questions at those positions or at that position. I, I really tried to do that. I really tried to do that first before I, when I shipped that 101, I tried to move to 102 first and he literally would not give anything on top of it. Like I found that it, it almost seems like people are more uh, unlikely to get out of the second pick if they, if they really want and Anthony Richardson than they do from Bijan, just because the 101 is perceived to be that more valuable. So I've had a really difficult tr- uh, to move either moving up to two or moving down to two, either one. Like that seems to be the me a very difficult position to get to if the person really wants Richardson. Hmm. I've seen it happen a couple times recently in a in a couple leagues that I'm in. And what was on top? It was not good enough. It was not good enough. <laughs> like a second, like 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 I just like I couldn't imagine doing it for less than a second, you know. And at that point, well, I, I saw thought, a second plus Najee Harris, and I think a second went back. A later second went back as well, and I don't think that's enough to to move down to two personally. Um, but to each their own, and everybody everybody kind of values that a little bit differently. I get it if you're trying to move down from one. But you you should get a king's ransom at this point. Bijan's one of those guys. Uh, let's uh, let's move on to the rookie report. We we covered twenty four of them so far. I think we can cover a few more. It's time for the rookie report. So we covered forty five rookies in the couple of months leading up to the draft. But if you guys uh, got got pretty good draft capital, and an, another got a kind of a prime landing spot. We didn't really cover them in the rookie report. So we thought we'd play a little catch up, get up to 49 for the year and start off with Trey Tucker, the other quote unquote, other receiver, Matt from Cincinnati. He, he gets better draft capital than we expected. And there are some things to like about that guy. Yeah, he's okay. I just I have no idea. Like this isn't it the most Raiders pick to like take the worst receiver from a from a from a certain school, right? Like we all were, you know, I wouldn't say enamored with with Tyler Scott, but I just feel like he he was the more productive college player. He tested better, you know, like what are the Raiders doing with Trey Tucker? Is he the Hunter Renfro replacement? You feel like J- Jacoby Myers could play that role? Like is it is this just fill the fill the wide receiver group with short area targets where Jimmy G can be successful. Like that's kind of what it feels like. So um, I mean, he's, you know, he's shifty. He's got decent speed. Once he gets in the open field, the hands are okay. He's just okay across the board. I feel like, right. He doesn't have any true calling card um, that, that really stands out. So I I don't really know what to do with Trey Tucker. Tucker, he has the draft capital, but literally nothing else. Like he's not an attractive draft pick from a fantasy standpoint. No, I, I, that was going to be my takeaway too. Fantasy wise, he might add something to an NFL offense, and and I think if he does have a calling card, he I thought he has sticky hands, very very good hands. He catches sure. the ball out away from his body and pulls it in immediately, becoming a runner. He's he's a little bit of a dynamic playmaker uh, out of the slot, but does that translate to eighty catches with this guy? I, I, and that's really what we need out of a slot receiver for him to be fantasy relevant, even as a flex worthy 
or potentially a wide receiver three or wide receiver four on your team. So the lack of size is going to hold him back. And you kind of alluded it to it there, Matt. The landing spot is not ideal if you're looking for him as as like a fourth round rookie pick um you're gonna have to hold on to him forever he's he's stuck behind Renfro's a better slot receiver than Trey Tucker is that's just the way it is Ryan is there anything that would make you feel like he's the guy you want to pick with one of the last picks in the third round or even one of the last picks in the fourth round of a rookie draft um, no, not really. I mean, you okay. know, he was, he was not a, uh, obviously he was not a guy we necessarily thought highly of coming into the NFL draft. Otherwise he would have been one of those, uh, 45 guys we covered, uh, pre-draft. I just think we have to be careful chasing draft capital. And I mean, we, we talk about it for months and months, how important it is. And we want to learn the draft capital of these running backs. And, you know, it, it is important, but if that's the one factor that we're chasing or, or that is putting us onto a player, uh, we, we really need to reevaluate things. I looked back at the past four years of uh, focusing just on wide receivers that were surprise day two picks. And it's not a good list. Uh, Tyquan mm. Thornton, Velas Jones, David Bell, Danny Gray, Dwayne Eskridge, Tutu Atwell, Van Jefferson, Andy Isabella, Jalen oh, Hurd, all of those guys were surprise day two picks. All of those guys gained uh, value, uh, dynasty value, moved up in rookie drafts post-NFL draft simply because of that draft capital. And, you know, a couple of those guys were special teams, uh, kind of special teams focus. Yeah. I, I think that's probably what Trey Tucker is. He is he was a solid uh, option in Cincinnati uh, as a special teams uh, player and and maybe that's what the Raiders are looking at here. I don't know if that made him worthy of a, a late third rounder. Probably not, but uh, maybe, maybe that's what they're seeing. Um, if you're a, if you're a top 100 pick an NFL team expects you to be a starter at some point, that's, that's the expectation going into his career. Maybe, maybe he is just that special teams guy, but he was picked over some other receivers that were relatively highly thought of, including his college teammate, Tyler Scott. Uh, also, Dontavion Wicks didn't go for till round five. I had Wicks above him, Puka Nakua, um, and then Charlie Jones from Purdue was a round four pick. So those guys all went after Trey Tucker, a little bit of a surprise to me and a lot of, a lot of others uh, uh, in the dynasty space, for sure. Let's move on to the next guy. It's Luke Schoonmaker. From Michigan, you got tight it. end gets gets a pretty good draft capital here, uh, Matt, and goes in front of some other names at the position that that turn the heads of a lot of dynasty managers for sure. He went late in the second round to the Dallas Cowboys, which is a premier landing spot. Really went ahead of Darnell Washington, ahead of Tucker Craft as well. So fifth uh, tight end off the board, and they're. There is some upside here with Schoonmaker there with the Cowboys. Yeah, there really is. He's got uh he's super athletic, four six five forty. I think the average for for a tight end is in the four seven range, so above average in that regard. Uh, you know, a decent height, nice hand size. You got all the things that you want athletically from a tight end, uh, right? Um, the production is really the concern from college. He wasn't really used that way. Um, 
but you can see it. You can see his ability to block. You can see his ability to line up in, in any, whether it's 11 or 12 personnel and, and really be the, the primary receiving tight end. I think mm-hmm. he's going to be somebody that can really like rip that, that vertical seam in the middle of the field. Um, and you love the, the competitive toughness that he shows. Right. So um, you, I wish he was a yeah, little bit more physical the... at, at the catch point, but like after he has the ball in his hands, then that's where the physicality comes out. Yeah, he's got a little bit of a killer instinct going to get it. And you see him him run the seam. I actually was a little bit disappointed with his run after the catch uh, ability. He didn't show as much speed yeah. after the catch as I thought he'd have because you've seen it from time from time to time at Michigan that he would get that seam, get over the top on the linebacker, um, make a nice catch on the ball, and then get – he wasn't he didn't have that burst and explosion to pull away from a safety and turn it into a bigger play. I, I did like that he uh he he would go up and get it, but when he was contested, when he had a safety wrapped around him, balls came off of his hands from time to time, or he wasn't even even able to get his hands on the football. So those are things that he needs to improve on a little bit, but you can certainly you can certainly see the upside as a seam stretcher, as a downfield tight end option. I don't know if he'll ever be the 10 touchdown type player that fantasy managers really want tight ends to be become because I'm not sure if he's that competitive at the catch point. Um, but I think he, I think he has like 60 catch, maybe 70 catch upside in the right offense. And this landing spot is premier for a tight end. Is it, is it though? Because we were excited about Jake Ferguson and Peyton Hendershot was, was a thing, right? Like, so Sure. I just, where does he but, fit? Like, where does no, he, I don't, doesn't that I don't say think... more about, uh, about those two potentially that they were eaten into each other, that there, nobody could really separate. And I'm a big Ferguson fan came from Wisconsin. So, you know, Scotty guys all the way, but uh, he, that, that probably speaks more to those two specifically. And, and the fact that they used a second round pick on Schoonmaker when Tucker Kraft was still available. I think that speaks pretty loudly. To me, at least. Yeah, I don't know. I, I Man, I, honestly, I think you're off on this one. Uh, okay. be, I mean, Hendershot was an undrafted free agent. Ferguson was the day three pick. I don't think there were really any expectations for those guys, especially with Dalton Schultz on that franchise tag. And they both still got on the field. They were both used, um, obviously not as, as primary weapons, but they both, uh, to me, looked good enough to make this, adding Schoonmaker into the fold, a very confusing situation. I don't think Schoonmaker is good enough to go in there and overtake uh, both of those guys. And honestly, maybe not either of those guys. I think Ferguson is a great buy low right now. Um, Hendershot's probably on, on waiver wires. I don't know. I'm this, this is a tough one for me because all three of these guys to me have limited upside and, and they're just going to, you know, cancel out each other really. Well, well, I thought I thought you were disagreeing with me, but that's what I that, if I was communicating incorrectly, that's what I was saying because these guys got on the field when when we had Dalton Schultz there, who we thought was the the you know kind of the the guy at tight end for Dak, but these other two were productive at the time. So having a rookie in there, even with the draft capital, is what makes it more confusing for me. Schoonmaker is a is a above average blocker from everything I've read about him, and and he can move around the formation a little bit. He played some H back in that pro set at Michigan. So he'll be a lead blocker. He'll be on the field. I think he's certainly a move guy. So, um, you know, if he can be more than that dump off option that we've seen in Dallas, 
for so long, it feels like. Uh, maybe that can translate into fantasy production. I'm not, I'm not uh, betting too much on Schoonmaker being in a lot of fantasy lineups, um, even in the long run, however. Uh, the next guy, we should go back to the wide receiver position. Michael Wilson, Matt. Talk about um, surprising draft capital. Wilson uh, gets a landing spot that maybe a year ago we would have been a little bit more excited about uh, in Arizona. They still have the quarterback, but that offense is going to be completely different. We knew Arizona might be looking at the wide receiver position in the draft, but that was when we assumed DeAndre Hopkins would be moving on. That doesn't seem to be the case anymore. So where does Michael Wilson fill fill in? He's another guy with top 100 draft capital. And Arizona didn't have uh, a lot of draft picks, but they, they used a premium one really on Wilson. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird pick. I mean, five. <laughs> he played five seasons, 11 touchdowns in five seasons, never more than six, like 1,600 total receiving yards in five seasons. Um, like, I just, I, I don't, I mean, he has the size, so maybe that's what they're going for because there's lack of size in this class, 6'2", 210. So he's got that going for him. You can see it as a potential Hopkins replacement. Um but I don't know. He separates fine enough. He's strong. He's strong enough. He's fast enough. But he he has so many drops that just don't make any sense. He's got those like frying pan hands. They say sometimes. They say sometimes. You know, he just kind of claps at the ball. So I don't know. I'm not again another guy with draft capital that I'm just not super interested. And in. maybe that's back from the you know the pre-draft bias before they got this capital. I don't know it, but I just don't see how he fits in this offense um, unless De- DeAndre Hopkins move on. Maybe he's a play for 2024 when he probably does move on and Kyler is back healthy and they're actually trying to compete because um, that doesn't seem like that's something they're trying to do this year. So uh, I, I, I'm probably not interested at, even in the even in like the late third round. Yeah, it seems like, Ryan, probably where people are going to start taking Michael Wilson mid to late third round, maybe he even slips into the fourth round. You listed off all those receivers before uh, that got surprising draft capital over the last handful of years. Is Wilson just another one on that list? Yeah, I think he is. I mean, it, it seems like we're all in agreement that the Cardinals are a team we want to avoid uh, if and when possible. Uh, at least for 2023 with their, you know, inevitable tank job that's going on. And, and then you look at this depth chart, Hopkins, Hollywood Brown, uh, Rondell Moore, plus Greg Dortch, plus Zach Pascal, plus the two tight ends. I mean, I just don't see, I I certainly don't see a path in 2023 for any production. And I mean, another old prospect, another player with injury history, the past three seasons combined, yeah. he's played 14 games in three years. Uh, I, I just don't get it. This, the, the Cardinals had a great draft moving, uh, moving up and down. You know, they got that reportedly the, the top guy on their, on their uh, list with the, uh, the offensive lineman. They acquired all those uh, future extra picks and, and I, they kind of blew it with this pick, I think. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. You mentioned the injury history. I, I read somewhere that some were concerned it's a chronic foot injury that is going to keep coming back and coming back and causing problems. That that doesn't usually translate to a top 100 pick and a guy that you would you would assume would be a playmaker for you at some at some point. If if there is any any uh, silver lining with it, I would say is 
if if one thing caught my eye when I watched him, uh, he seems like he's a kick returner after he gets the ball in his hand. He's like a catch and run guy, and that could translate into the right offense. I'm not sure that that's going to be the case with the Cardinals. However, we'll see how that shakes out. The last guy didn't get the draft capital, Matt, but he did get a pretty nice landing spot. Puka Nakua, uh, the BYU product, is a guy that I was I was kind of interested in coming into the draft, and I, I thought he could have been a fourth round pick. Maybe yeah. even a, maybe he could have been the late third that goes one hundred overall. But he slides all the way into the sixth round, I believe it is, and Nakua now finds yeah, himself round. in a spot where they need some help. Uh, yeah, I, I, this is, I was finally waiting to get, I'm glad we saved this guy for last. Cause he's the one out of this group that I'm really interested in. Uh, he's, he's got, he's, he's just, he has a lot of positives. He's such a versatile receiver. You see him used on jet sweeps and handoffs. I think he had, uh, 39 carries for 360 yards and five touchdowns over the last two seasons. One concern is that 25% of his targets were on screen passes. So, you know, yeah. That speaks to his versatility, but also to the fact that maybe he doesn't have it downfield. And you do see uh, sometimes a lack of separation, but he does track the ball uh, really well on, on deep balls. Uh, and and in, in, in that senior bowl, those senior ball practices, you saw him uh, be explosive out of breaks, even though the route running on film does look kind of lazy at times. Um, from a more uh, uh, analytic standpoint, in 2021, he was third in yards per route run amongst all wide receivers. In 2022, he was first in yards per route run, uh, third across all three uh, receiving positions. And he's the only uh, one of only three wide receivers in the class to go over three three yards per route run against both man and zone coverage. So I just see a very versatile player that can be used in, used in creative ways. And he goes to a spot with Sean McVay, who is a, we know is a creative play caller, or at least has has been in the past so he'll know how to get them on use them on those jet sweeps and things like that um and the you, you talked about it the the depth chart it's it's cooper cup and then van jefferson and tutu atwell uh and i'm missing somebody uh no, you're but not. yeah i think i'm missing i feel like <laughs> i'm missing a, i feel like i'm missing a name but anyway like he's the depth chart just just like we talked with zach evans like this this is the spot for these later round picks that could hit that have good profiles. It, the, the Rams made me interested in Zach Evans. So that says a lot. And for the same reasons, I'm interested in Puka and, you know, the third round or so. Well, yeah, the, it's not just, just the landing spot though. If you turn on Nakua's tape, he's a fun guy to watch. You, you mentioned, uh, you said competitive tough, toughness, I think was what you, what you mentioned earlier. Um, this guy has it. He is a yeah. killer blocker on the perimeter and, he, that's going to get him on the field with the Rams. If you you think back and at he, that Rams office, go ahead. And, and he lays the wood on those on those cornerbacks. Like you see him I know. just <laughs> level those guys, and then the next time he comes at them, they think twice about <laughs> about uh, tackling him. You know. So he has he has that going for him, and he has the the contested catch ability at the catch yeah. point that is like it's not just good. It's I think it's very good. And I think that part of his game will translate to the next level pretty easily. He's athletic. He's a he's an outside receiver, which it feels like we never talk about those guys because there's only a handful of them in the draft. He can play on the perimeter. I think he's six foot. Um, he's he's a little bit of an older prospect, but it feels like he could have an immediate role because of that Rams depth chart. And he's only a couple of big plays away from really grabbing hold of a of a of a role that that creates instant fantasy success potentially even 
So if there's a if there's a surprise in the third round among receivers in rookie drafts, I think it's definitely Nakua. And it's you, you mentioned Matt that he he got a lot of his uh, they got creative to get him his touches. I think he's painted that in that in in that in that way in the dynasty space or in the fantasy space. But the truth is, he is a good outside receiver that has the athleticism, body control and hands to make plays on footballs down the field. And that, that is what the Rams need desperately right now. Cause they already have the slot guy on the, they need an outside guy to play every single down and go hunt out safeties in the run blocking game. That's going to get Nakua on the field. He's, I think he's going to be their wide receiver too. I think he, if he feels like a direct replacement for Tutu, like he can do the things that Tutu Atwell can do, but with size, you know, and, and, and physicality. I think he's a, direct replacement for him and maybe even Skoranek too because Skoranek's sure. that guy that they That's the move guy in motion and make him block you know and Skoranek catches 17 balls a year or whatever but but they want to move him in motion and he plays like H-back sometimes and I think Nakua could be that guy that's that motion guy as well and they got him just so late so right, 6'1", 200 pounds outside receiver there's a lot to like there Ryan it seems like dynasty managers are a little slow to getting on board with Nakua. He's he's going for cheap in these auctions. He's going in the fourth round of some rookie drafts that I see. Uh, what does that ADP suggest where you can get Nakua? Yeah, the same ADP we were looking at earlier. So that's Superflex, uh, the Superflex format. He's the wide receiver 21, 54 oh. overall. I mean, honestly, I would consider him 20 spots higher than that. Uh, I, would, I would gladly take him in the late third round. I would consider him in the uh, in the mid part of the third round, if that's where my pick was. I, I totally agree with everything you guys said. This this guy just gets yards and this is a team that needs um, that needs competent receivers, um, you know, almost as much as any other team. And yeah, Matt listed the depth chart. That's that's really almost too much because it's Cooper Cup and nothing else. That's <laughs> yeah. that's re- that's the reality. Um, so I do think there's a path for Nakua to be the wide receiver too on this team. And Dan, I know you said he didn't he didn't get the draft capital as as that late fifth round uh, pick in the NFL draft. But uh, pre draft, we were talking about the seven round mock drafts that were released. Uh, Dane Brugler had one. Matt Miller had one. I think there were three that we were looking at, and two out of those three. Uh, left Nakua out of their seven round mock altogether. So um, while he didn't get what we would typically look at as, as good draft capital, he was a fifth rounder when some thought he might not get drafted at all. So that's still a little bit of a surprise and a, a possible, you know, small boost to his value. Uh, I, I love this guy. I, I wish I could get him on, on every dynasty team I had really. Yeah, and his ADP suggests you probably can. Uh, you get you see guys like Kayshawn Booty, uh, Michael Wilson, who we just talked about, Ronnie Bell, Charlie Jones, A.T. Perry, Xavier Hutchinson. These are all guys that are going above Puka Nakua, and it, it's really a travesty. It shouldn't shouldn't be that way. Um, hopefully, we open some eyes to a few of you, and uh, you're grabbing him, and maybe even the late third, but certainly if he's available in the fourth round. You got to grab Puka Nakua. We uh, we got one more segment before we get out of here. Keep Dynasty weird. So over the last 
a couple years, guys. We've been getting together once a year over NFL Draft Weekend. We watch the draft together, the three of us and a couple other buddies. And for a couple years, Ryan, we've been talking about maybe starting up a dynasty league and figuring out how to how to how to do that with a five man group. And I've had this idea for years that I, I always wanted to bring to fruition of having two teams. Every every manager has two teams. Um, you have an AFC roster and an NFC roster. The fun of that, of course, is that you get two draft picks in the first round, second round, third round every year in the rookie draft, and you can draft for either team in this. So we decided to do it. What the heck? This year we uh, we started the uh, draft weekend league. The three of us are in it, and we held two live uh, drafts together while we watched uh, the third day of the NFL draft, and then followed that up over over dinner later that night uh, on draft weekend with a rookie draft. So first, I guess, Matt, I wanted to know, what what, what do you think of the draft weekend league? <laughs> it's a fun format. Uh, I have never participated in, uh, in, in a league where you draft both and keep both conferences, the AFC and the NFC separately. So it was a challenge. Like, and, and, and you guys made fun of me and rightly so. Like I think during yeah. the first draft, the NFC draft, I kept wanting, I kept saying somebody from the AFC and you're like, uh, no, that's the wrong, the wrong conference, Matt. And I did that a few <laughs> times. So it, it definitely messed with my head. It makes team building really interesting. I think, I think it really highlighted how much stronger the AFC from a talent perspective is, especially in fantasy um, uh, compared to the NFC. So it was a, it was a fun, fun exercise for sure. And I would challenge listeners to maybe, maybe look at that kind of format for, for a future league. Yeah, definitely was fun. And um, you know, if you're a, if you're a fantasy baseball player out there, this probably sounds familiar to you because uh, the idea of AL only or NL only leagues are very common in fantasy mm-hmm. baseball. Um, so kind of, kind of borrowing from that. I, I thought it was a lot of fun as well. And really to me, the best part was uh, you know, doubling the pleasure, right? I mean, the drafting to a startup <laughs> draft is the best part and we got two of those. Um, and then, uh, while we can't trade with ourselves for, for obvious reasons, you can't put an NFC player on, on an AFC roster. And, uh, of course that, that wouldn't be quite fair regardless. Um, you do essentially double your, uh, your, your trade options or your, uh, you know, possible trade partners with this format as well. If, you know, if I really need that one player from, from Dan's roster and he doesn't like my NFC roster. I've got a whole other team that, that he could look at for uh, players to find a match for a trade. Yeah. Not only do we allow that cross conference trading where, where Ryan gives me two NFC players and I give him two AFC players. We actually, we actually like that part of the league. We're, we're hoping that we see quite a bit of that. We've, we've had, uh, we've had some negotiations going on, still trying to break the seal on the first trade, in this league and finding that value is going to be interesting. I think my favorite part of the league guys so far hasn't even happened yet. And it's not trades. It's actually the movement in the off season and even in season at the trade deadline, when we're, when you're thinking, Oh, I'm set in this two quarterback league on my NFC quarterback with my NFC quarterbacks. Cause Aaron Rodgers is my quarterback too. Oh shoot. He got traded to the jets and now he's on, my mm-hmm. AFC roster <laughs> where I already have three starters and the, the kind of the falling out from that, how you try to adjust to that. 
um, and find more quarterbacks because because it is really it's really a ten team league. Five managers have two teams each. There, it's it's two quarterbacks on each side. And like Matt said, there's not a lot of talent at the quarterback position in the NFC. It got real dull real fast over there in that draft. Yeah, the NFC, oh, the NFC was was very ugly. I I had the 101 in the AFC and I I was able to grab Patrick Mahomes. That meant I had the 5th pick in the NFC and yeah, I I I couldn't even I had to draft a rookie pick just to uh, to get a shot at Bryce Young to find a quarterback. So yeah, the, I mean, a, a lot is made about the AFC versus NFC quarterback situation right now. And, you know, it's, a, there's a long list, all, all the guys we like Mahomes, Allen, uh, Lamar, and, and now even Aaron Rodgers, all on that AFC side. And, and the NFC is, you know, it's, it's Dak and, you know, we, we hope Justin hurts. Fields continues. Uh, yeah. Hurts. Uh, sorry. I should have certainly uh, should have said him first. Um, but yeah, it Dan, gets Dan got, got a nice job at, at what the, with the first pick in the NFC, right? Like it was like, it, like it's a cliff after Jalen hurts. It feels like Dan. Yeah, it certainly is. That was the, a lucky draw. We, we drew for the AFC startup first. And of course I draw the last pick and I thought to myself, well, that stinks last pick, but Oh, I get the first pick in the NFC. So hurts is my way. And really it worked out in the AFC too. Cause Joe Burrow slid to five and I, I ended up getting Burrow and Herbert with the top two picks in the AFC. I, I did realize that I don't do enough uh, startup drafts anymore guys, because th- this, these were my first in a while. I typically only do auctions cause they're so much more fun. I kind of forgot there were running backs in both of these drafts and I'm, I'm sitting there without running backs on my two rosters. So maybe I do have to do a little bit of trading. Uh, we'll see if I can get anything done there. Uh, any other takeaways from the league, guys? Your, uh, you know, I mentioned that my favorite part hasn't happened yet. It re- honestly, it probably already has. Having three drafts in one day, that was epic. That was about <laughs> as good as it gets. I don't know how we're gonna gonna be able to do that in the future. Uh, but that rookie draft every year in person, right after the NFL draft, that's gonna be a lot of fun. We gotta maybe not this week because we're we're running short on time. But I think we should try to broker a trade in this league uh, live on the on the pod at some point mm, yeah well let's uh let's think about options for that ryan you got any <laughs> ideas i'm not i'm not I trading quarterback for sure i got quarterbacks <laughs> in the nfc ryan i got i got at least three starters or four starters and you said you need a quarterback so i'm just oh, saying man yeah i got i got hurts <laughs> kyler and love so that's that's three two and a half quarterbacks right <laughs> <laughs> We'll see how that goes, but uh, we just thought we'd fill you guys in on a unique idea. We don't uh, we don't talk about our leagues all that often because I know it's not that interesting to others. But this was a unique uh, setup, and it's certainly fun because the three of us are doing it uh, together in person with a couple other buddies uh, with DLF ties as well. So uh, I guess that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the show for Matt and Ryan. I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We'll catch you again next week. Thank you for listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.